It's surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today is such an exciting show for me. This is an announcement podcast. Not only that, we got plenty of content coming your way. What am I announcing? Well, as you may have already seen from the podcast title, it's called Mastering 40. So this is a year-long journey where I'm going to take my overweight and undertrained behind to a new goal, breaking 40 minutes in the 10K a year from now. Also, during the course of this year, I'll be turning 40. So I will be a master's runner next year when I attempt this. Hence the name, Mastering 40, not just the age, but also the time. I am so excited for this. So, first of all, why? Why am I doing this? Well, I am coming off the worst athletic year of my life, and it's not even close. I've had a bevy of injuries, you know, dating back over a year now. I haven't been really healthy for any sustained period of time in a year, and that has been a complete bummer. The last real race I did was a year ago. It was September. I wasn't even that fit. And put in perspective, I ran that 5K a minute per mile slower than I will need to run a 10K in in order to reach this goal. And that would be to reach this goal by the skin of my teeth. So that lays out where I was a year ago. And then since then, it's been a five-month ankle injury, then a herniated disc in my back, and then uh, some issues with my knee, and then seven weeks off from not running at all, and then officially cleared, thankfully, just a couple weeks ago. So that was the setup. Now the punchline. I want to make this year my best athletic year ever. So I played college basketball before. I was a pretty good high school athlete as well. I want this year to be my best athletic year ever. And in order to do that, I'm going to have three expert professionals helping me along the way, helping me every single day of this journey. They are my running coach, who you've heard on this podcast plenty of times. If you've listened to the show for a while, James McCurdy, the co-owner and founder of McCurdy Trained, one of, if not the biggest online coaching network in the country. In addition to James, I've registered dietitian Starla Garcia, who is also an extremely good runner and qualified for this year's Olympic marathon trials in Atlanta. Last but not least, I have a therapist and sports psychologist, Adrian Langlier, who, in addition to those duties, is also one of the few people who write shoe reviews for Believe in the Run. If you remember, shoot, about six months ago, I had the guys from Believe in the Run on the podcast. They do great work, and she reviews shoes for them. So not only is she a sports psychologist and therapist, but she's also, as I'm sure you can imagine, an active runner as well. So that's the team. And that's where this podcast comes in. So there's going to be a couple different areas or different, a couple different ways I'm going to basically put information out about this journey. From a podcast perspective, once every three weeks, so every sixth episode, roughly, I'm going to put out an episode that is two or three segments, and those segments will be me talking with these professionals. So today's episode is a great example. I have an episode, I have a segment with my coach, James, and then another segment with Adrian. Then I'm also going to be doing two podcast episodes, two podcast episodes, two blog posts per week on the blog. So you can just go to Mastering40, the number, Mastering40.com, and you'll find it there. You can also find it on my menu page at TheRamblingRunner.com. It's also there. You can find it in both places. It's the same blog. Just want to give you two options 
just in case you get lost or confused or just to bring in more traffic, basically. So I own both of those sites and you can go right there twice a week. I'm going to be publishing all sorts of stuff about my running, my eating, the mental side, my challenges, my successes, all the things, you know, my training, what's coming up this week, you know, all sorts of stuff. So that's all going to be on there. In addition to that, I'm also going to be doing plenty of video stuff on Instagram. If you don't follow me on Instagram, please do. It's rambling underscore runner. I'm going to be putting out a lot of content on there as well. Finally, I have some partners in this endeavor, not just the experts that I've already mentioned, but some partners, some corporate partners are coming on along the way. So starting off the bat, we got Prevenex is staying with me. They're going to be part of this process. They've been a part of this podcast for a long time. They're going to be part of this journey as well. I want to thank them. Also want to thank Generation You Can. It's going to be my official running nutrition sponsor. They're going to be the products I use pre-run, during-run, post-run. I love Generation You Can. They have great stuff. You'll hear an ad for them later. I've been using them for a long time, and they fuel the running of a lot of high-level runners. And I'm just so excited to be partnering with them. I've got a couple other things that are going to come out in the next day or two. So you'll hear some other partnerships coming along as well. So these people aren't just sponsoring you know, podcasts here or there. They're going to be here for the journey. They're going to be part of this with me. And in addition to that, they're part of this because I use their products already. So I didn't reach out to anybody for this journey that I don't already use before this whole thing happened. Because for me, it's about making sure that I can maximize what I am as a, as a dedicated amateur runner and trying to figure out if I dedicate myself for a full year and go all in as much as I can, while at the same time, not stepping away from my parental duties and my professional duties and anything along those lines, how good can I be? putting all that stuff together. And I, and I hearken back to a conversation that we had on this show with Matt Fitzgerald, who kind of did the professional running version of that. So he is someone who was, you know, kind of a the elite level of a dedicated amateur runner for a long time. And he said, finally, like, all right, if I was going to be a pro and train like a pro and live with pros and work with pros, how good could I be? And he showed that, right? If you listen to that podcast or you read his book, Running the Dream, or, you know, just followed along in real time by reading his blog, which I did, which was so much fun then you saw what he was able to do. I'm basically taking a dedicated amateur runner take on that. And you know, Matt has been you know, really helpful in terms of helping me figure this out. So I've been able to reach out to him a couple of times and I just, I'm just so excited and I can't wait to see what happens. Um, it's not all, you know, it's not going to be all rainbows and butterflies. I'm going to mess up or have slip ups. And that's part of the other thing is that I want this to be something that everyone can relate to because I love these kind of journeys. I love documentaries and being able to share what I'm doing with you. Hopefully it's not only entertaining, but something that you can learn from. Say, hey, I had that problem too, man. I'm glad that, you know, you figured it out and now I can figure it out. Or like that was really helpful advice and it didn't just help you, Matt, and helped me. And that's why I want to share my conversations with the experts because their information, their expertise is not just helpful for me. It's going to be helpful for so many people because all of us who have families and jobs and so many responsibilities, we have the same challenges as well. So the answers that they're going to provide to me, I'm going to try to put them into practice. And I'd advise you to follow along and hopefully you can put them into practice too, so that 
next year at this time, you are as fit as you can be. And while there aren't any races going on right now, that doesn't mean that we can't go on our own personal journey to see what we can be, be the best version of ourselves, because that's not dependent on races. That's not dependent on whether or not your marathon was canceled or not. It depends on what you do with your time and your effort and your decisions. And when I say you, I mean me, because this is what I'm so excited to do. And I hope that you are excited well. So in this episode, you're going to hear me talk with my coach, James McCurdy, also my psychologist and therapist, Adrian Langler, who I'm just so, you'll hear about that. That's, that part of the conversation, I think, was really valuable. We start diving in and, um, you know, you'll hear. I don't, I don't pull any punches with her. I am as open and honest as I can be because they're, it's not going to provide any value to you or any value to me if I don't approach this with a complete open book scenario because anything less, just it just isn't going to be worth it for any of us. So I'm going all in and I hope you enjoy. So let's dive into our first episode of Mastering 40. James, thanks for coming on. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, man. Yeah. Happy, always happy to be back on, uh, and this time with a little bit more focus on you. Yes, exactly. So a lot of times when we're having these calls, we're talking about different topics in general. We've definitely done coaching calls for my running specifically. Haven't done them in a while, but now there's, you know, now we have a reason. Finally, we finally have a reason to talk <laughs> about my running with my coach, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah, let's, uh, let's dive in. Okay. So I shot you a text message uh, yesterday, you know, basically yesterday around noontime, my time, around nine o'clock your time, just saying, hey, I got some good news from the PT. Yes. So as you know, I had, you know, going back to last January, I had, you know, basically a five month ankle injury, which was shocking how long that lasted. Um, then started running consistently, then COVID hit. And it got to the point where like, shoot, even 30 to 40 minutes max per day was most I could do because I was basically in charge of my kids and their schooling while my wife was doing remote teaching and her schedule was nuts. So it was like, I couldn't waste myself on a run because I had such exhausting days to say nothing of like, I had just gone full-time working from home and I had to squeeze that in at night. So that was a lot. Then I had the herniated disc in my back. And then um, actually before the herniated disc though, I twisted my knee in around the house. Like I was literally just like cracking my ankle and I twisted my knee and I hurt it. But the problem was, is that like, not problem. It was, this was a positive. It didn't affect my running. So it, it hurt. Like if I was doing certain movements, but if I was running, it felt fine. So I didn't feel the need to address it with my PT because with COVID everyone was just kind of avoiding those kinds of situations. So, um, I went to him, I would say about a month ago, maybe a few weeks ago, and he was like, all right, you know, this is a month ago. And he's like, all right, it looks like it could be a meniscus and or an LCL because it was clicking and it was still painful. Um, no, let me back that up. That was six weeks ago. So basically, after that point, even though it didn't hurt when I was running, I stopped running completely. And, you know, just basically did no exercise for the most part uh, for the last six weeks. And the pain has completely gone away. So I was, we went he looked at it. He did a bunch of tests on it and there's still some clicking in there, but that's diminishing a little bit. So he's like, all right, like, I think we're just good to go. So we're going to take it slow. Uh, but he cleared me for running. Is he think the clicking is any pocket of fluid at all or? He didn't bring that up. 
he he okay. said that um, his guess is that it's meniscus related, uh, but if it's starting to feel better, um, and it's starting to be like before, it was making an, a clicking sound that was audible to like the people around me. Yeah, it's not at that point now. It's the point where like I'm aware of it, but other people aren't. Okay. So his feeling is that there are certain meniscus issues that can heal themselves, and there are certain meniscus issues that need a procedure to heal them. And he yeah, thinks I mean, that that this is that this is the 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 former. Yeah. So like I've had two meniscus surgeries. Um, one was was a full meniscus repair and uh, patella repair, and then the other eight weeks after I had the surgery, I ran a half marathon. So. I've been on kind of both ends of the spectrum of uh, some serious meniscus issues, but if, if in in both of those situations, surgery was a mandatory thing. Like it, I was, I wasn't getting away from it, right? Uh, but if your if your PT is saying, yeah, you know, like it's gotten better with some rest, let's see where you're at, let's give it a shot. Well, then, yeah, that's great. Uh, one of my concerns is, you know, three months from now, well, things are back or they're elevated from where they were before. So that's something that we're, de- I definitely want to be cognizant of, you know, like, I don't want to just throw you into something just because, okay, PT cleared me. I'm good to go. It's like, no, we still got to exercise caution. Right. You know, we still got to do a lot of the basic things to ensure structural stability. Yeah, and his point to me at the end of the conversation was, listen, I don't have people coming in here just for maintenance stuff, and I wouldn't have you doing that either. He goes, but I want you to be in here pretty consistently in the short term so we can make sure that we're taking a look at it, making sure it's not getting worse and things like that. So, you know, weekly and biweekly in the short term just to make sure everything is above board. And not even not even, not even just getting worse, but you're actually progressing, right? Like mm-hmm. – we. I think it's it's very easy for us to want to just, oh, let me just put up with this until you can't put up with it anymore. Not recognizing how bad things are getting in the interim because you're simply just trying to put up with something. Uh, but the mere fact that you feel that it's that much better with just six weeks of rest is great. Like that's a really good sign. I know from my own personal experience, it it didn't matter if it was day one or the end of week eight, it, it sucked. <laughs> my, my knees were buckling uh, and I was just in pain. So from day one to, you know, to day 60, it, it, was, it was just going to hurt. Right. It's so funny because it didn't bother me when I was doing activities. It was like if I was sitting, like say it was my right leg. So say like if I was sitting in a chair or on my son's bed reading a story or something, if I had like my right foot tucked underneath my left knee and I was sitting yeah. like that, yeah, like it was in a lot of pain or say I would like going up the stairs like two at a time, like kind of like lunging up the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. That hurt a lot, but running didn't hurt, but um, I can do those things now easily. We have a puppy at home. So like I have to do this weird maneuver over this gate to go up the stairs. Like I could not have done that two months ago. I would have yeah. to slide it over every time. And now it's totally fine. So, so that leads me to believe, well, if it's, you know, tendons take a little more time, to recover, right? There's not a lot of blood flow. If it were a muscle issue, there'd be a lot more blood flow. But straining a tendon or ligament takes a bit more time. There's not a lot of blood flow. It takes some time for those things to resolve itself. 
but if this were like a cartilage issue or a true meniscus issue, it's not going to go away. Like tears don't fix themselves, but ligament damage and tendon damage can, you know, over time, unless it was a major tear, of course. But if it was a, if it was just a serious strain, um, that, that, that does resolve itself over time. And maybe, maybe that is just what you were dealing with. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it wouldn't be a meniscus issue. If, if you were just sitting still, that wouldn't be causing you pain because that's the, the meniscus is providing stability. Uh, and when you challenge that stability, that's when the knee will buckle. It's not going to buckle when you're not doing anything. Right. Right. Yeah. I also had like, basically it was like the, it was the meniscus and like the LCL was yeah, sore but, for but sure. But even still. So, so maybe, maybe it really was just a really bad strain and you're just coming out of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, because again, if you tore something, it's not getting fixed unless unless it's repaired. Right. Yeah, exactly. So yesterday I ran a mile first time, six weeks. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was at the, I was at the, the West War track, which was fun. Um, I had, had a couple of beetles somehow like got up my shirt. I was like taking them out <laughs> nighttime home, uh, nighttime running man. Haven't done it in a while. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, so that, you know, that was good. It was, um, you know, knee feels fine today from that feels exactly the way it did yesterday morning. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, with that being said, just from a state of fitness perspective, um, you know, as part of this project, I'm going to be working with, you know, sports psychologists. I'm working with registered, registered dietitian, Starla Garcia. Um, in addition to that, you know, the reason I'm doing that, especially with the dietitian is, you know, I am not at optimal weight. And over the last six weeks, by basically not exercising, um, I didn't help that. So right now, so I'm 5'8", yeah. um, and I weigh 186 right now, okay. to put that in perspective. So when you met me, I was 166. Yeah, so 20 pounds. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's significant, right? We're not talking about 20 pounds of muscle, right? We're not, uh, <laughs> no, we're certainly not. Right, we've got water and fat. You know, um, so yeah, we got some work to do. So, so walk me through, uh, have you had a consultation yet with Starla? No. So I'm going to be doing that later this week. Great. Great. Um, so everything, <laughs> basically everything's from, I don't want to say ground zero, but we're starting where we are, you know, like it's, we can't neglect what it is you've done for the past few years because that matters. Um, but we, we do have to recognize where are you now? Not where do you want to be three months from now? Not where you want to be a year from now, but obviously those are important, but what is the reality of, of health, of fitness, of activity? What makes the most sense? So from a physical standpoint, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of coming back from a similar spot. Uh, I, I believe I've lost, I don't know the exact starting weight of where I was, uh, four to four and a half months ago, but it was probably close to 20 pounds that I've lost. Maybe a little less, maybe probably a little bit more over the last four and a half months. And I'm now starting to feel like, okay, now I can begin training. Got it. Got it. So for you, so when you say that, you mean 
those months were more about getting back to a certain level or achieving a certain level of fitness and body composition before really taking a full, um, kind of a full, uh, a full throated effort into the, the, the hard workouts. Yes and no. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't so much focusing on body composition other than, man, my jeans just fit really tightly and I don't like it because, and I don't want to go buy new clothes. <laughs> so I better start eating a little bit more salad and a little, and drinking a little less beer or, you know, you know putting, putting those, those things away. Um, and it wasn't, it was the purpose wasn't to lose weight. It was just a natural byproduct of living a more athletic lifestyle. It was just what happened because I was exercising just a little bit and I was sweating and I didn't eat bowls of ice cream. <laughs> Notice I didn't say just one. <laughs> um, I didn't have a lasagna. You know, those things, those decisions started, I started just making different choices from a nutritional standpoint, but the exercise was coming from where I was. When I first, I was actually talking about this this morning with a friend of mine and he's like, man, you've come so far in the last four and a half months. I remember your story on Instagram when you ran that first two or three miles, you were dying at like 9.30, 10 minute pace. And I was like, that felt so hard. Just and I had to stop like two or three times inside of that. I was I couldn't wait to stop to turn around to run back to my car just so I could stop to catch my breath. <laughs> uh, but that's that's exactly where I was. And I started with a little bit of a run walk four and a half months ago uh, because that's all I could really handle. That's it, you know. And it was just three or four days a week of exercise. I wasn't even lifting yet because I was still worried about the hernia that I had dealt with over the course of the previous year. And I was a little afraid about doing some planks and push-ups, even bodyweight stuff. I didn't want that to affect. And why I bring that up is I took my time you know, without a coach. You know, Tim, Tim and I were still on pause at that point. I just wanted to move a little bit more. And it slowly became something to where now, this past week, I ran 70 miles. Uh, and it, it didn't take long to get back to where I was. Uh, I might not be the same fitness, but I'm in the realm of where I was. It's not going to take you that long. It's just going to feel really hard. <laughs> Even with a run walk for 25 to 30 minutes, it's going to be tough to start because you're just not fit. Right. And to be fair, even last year at this time, I wasn't really fit either. Um, you know, the past, the past year or so hasn't been great. Hasn't been great for, uh, for, for Matt Chittum Fitness. Um, that's for sure. Longer than that, really, right? I mean, there, there, you have done, we can't neglect too how much you have accomplished in your professional life and the, and the changes you've made in your career and how that has affected your family life because you're living in a different lifestyle because of work. And how hard you've been burning the candle at all ends to to make the 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 your your the career changes you've made and the, and the progress you've made in that. I mean, dude, in, in two and a half three years, look at where your growth has come from a professional standpoint. Of course, that's going to affect your physical side because of the amount of time. It's not like you were just sitting at home on your computer playing podcast. 
you were doing so many things so progressively and it happened so quickly. I don't think people recognize or it's very easy to overlook how much effort that took to get to where you are in such a short amount of time, you know, uh, it, it, because you did it with a full time job. That's fair. And I probably don't give myself a lot of credit on that part. So I appreciate you saying that. Um, but oftentimes we can kind of compartmentalize our goals and progress as opposed to yes. looking at them holistically. As as you were talking, I brought it up. So last my basically my last race where I was actually, you know, kind of training for it. Again, I wasn't at a full level yet, yeah. but was the see the the Providence downtown 5K, which is a big race down here in Providence, a great, great field. And I say that, I mean, like, you know, there's, you know, 500 people will break 21 minutes, yeah. you know, it's like a, a really good race. It used to be the USATF Outdoor 5K New England Championship. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, the CBS, yeah. So I ran that in um, 23-23, so 7.24 pace, which is basically one minute per mile slower than I want to run for this goal. Of breaking the of breaking forty in the ten k around that same time frame, yeah, but we got a lot of work to do, right? We got a lot of work to do. Um, I was I've been thinking about this conversation all day today, uh, and really the past few days since you we we talked about this goal. And one of the first things I said to you on the phone was, "Man, it's not that you're not capable; you just have to do the work." And I was trying to kind of find a way to relate this to to you in a different way that that's not related to to working out, uh, to to exercise, to to the five k, to the ten k, to losing weight. You, you you did you see the Hamilton musical that was on Disney Plus? Did you watch that? I have not seen it. Okay, well, number one, you're missing out on life. <laughs> it, it's it's phenomenal it's not my favorite musical out there but i'm too busy is. eating bowls of ice cream uh, james well listen <laughs> uh I, I i transferred bowls of ice cream with 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 hamilton no it, so it, it's a really good show I, I i got a chance to see the original cast um back on, on broadway uh when it first came out and i um I loved it. It was great. But one of the actors in there, uh, Leslie Odom Jr., uh, was also in a TV show called Smash. Uh, and that's when I was first introduced to this amazing actor, an amazing singer. Um, and what, but he wouldn't, he didn't really get famous, even though he was on TV, right? Um, and he had, he had a professional, he had a professional business coach that he's been working with for, for like 10 years. And, um, before this is before he got Hamilton and he was about ready to quit because he just he wasn't making it you know like he's he'd, he'd go on auditions and he, he would just wait you know he would wait for the auditions to come he would go on the auditions the auditions would go good or poorly and then he would just go back home and he would wait for the next audition and maybe there was a role and maybe there wasn't and uh he's he's talking to his coach um I'm not sure if it was a vocal coach or if it was just a business strategist uh or an agent who was talking to his, his mentor in some respect, and his mentor said, you know, before you, before you pack it up, how about, how about for the next year, you just try, right? And, and, and this is a guy that, in his mind, dedicated what he thought, everything he could have 
to becoming a, a valued artist, to, be, to making this his career. He's going on auditions. He's doing all this stuff. But it wasn't, it wasn't that part that he wasn't trying. It was all the in-betweens. It was, are you practicing your singing? Are you getting up on open mics? Are you going out on stages? Are you, are you busking on the streets? Are you, doing, are you getting your word out? You're making CDs and passing them out. Are you doing everything you can? Are you actually trying? Are you really getting it done? Or are you just working when it's time to go to work? And I think that really hit home with me when I, when I saw his interview the other day. Uh, because everything Hamilton these days is just gold. And, I, and I, that just popped up on my YouTube. And I saw that and I'm like, man, like that, that speaks volumes to me, not just as a coach, but also as an athlete. Am I just coaching in the moment or am I trying? Am I doing everything I can to be the greatest leader? Am I just an athlete in the moment or am I focusing on my mobility and stretching, focusing on my strength, focusing on as many meals as I can uh, to be purposed towards where it is I want to be, not in an obsessive way, but in a very healthy manner to get me to where I want to be. And I think, dude, I think for you, if you just f***ing tried, you're going to blow 40 minutes in a 10K out of the water. There's no question about it. You have that ability. It's will you make the leap to try in all aspects? Now, you're making the right steps. You're, we have a goal. We have an idea of where we want to go. We're recognizing where you are body weight-wise. We're recognizing where you are health-wise. You're taking the steps to work with a, a, a success coach, uh, a, mental, uh, a sports psychologist, and, and, a, and a nutritionist. You put all those together and you take actions daily. You actually try. Dude, of course you're going to blow that shit out of the water. All right. I love your confidence. I don't share it right now. <laughs> I'm, I've got a long way to go. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely know it's possible. That's, that's why I chose the goal. It still feels like a big stretch, um, but I'm excited for it. So we talked about, you know, 30,000 feet. Let's get granular. What are you thinking for the next three or four weeks? Um, and I'm happy to chip in with what my PT said. Uh, he basically just said, you know, the next next few days, you know, start off with a mile and build it up, you know, like a little bit more each day in the short term within the next week, just to make sure everything's stable. Um, but that's really that's basically what he said. But he just wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to dive in and just start going for four mile runs. Yeah, no, no, no. We're 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 gonna we're gonna take this cautiously. Uh, I'm not gonna treat this too differently than how I've treated somebody coming off of a major injury because you have essentially coming off of uh, a significant uh, time off due to some pain. We want to be cognizant of your back uh, and the issue you had there. We want to focus on core stability, but honestly, the biggest thing I need you to do right now is move four days a week, 35 to 45 minutes of movement. Doesn't mean that we're going to run nonstop. Doesn't mean that we're going to run the entire time, but we're going to run walk. We're going to add some mobility. We're going to add some gentle strength that makes sense. Uh, and we'll keep away from anything that your PT wants you to keep away from. But to be honest with you, if you go to the bathroom, you can squat. You know what I mean? Like if you, we're going to start with body weight movement. Um, just to, to develop the muscles to be able to be ready to do the next thing. And the next thing is be able to run nonstop for a period of 25 minutes. I don't want to go from one mile to 25 right off the bat. 
So we're going to start with run walks. We're going to start slowly. But in three to four weeks, we should be able to handle 25 minutes nonstop. And we're going to measure everything by time. We're not going to focus on mileage at all. We're going to measure your, your, your weekly goals by time. How much time did you exercise this week? And it's not going to be a lot comparative to where we're going to be six months from now. But it's, it's, it's a lot more than what you've been doing. Okay? So if we can exercise 35 to 40 minutes, four days a week. That's going to be pretty impactful for a period of three to four weeks. And that's honestly, it's not any different than how I started myself. I, I am living this right now. All right. So when you say exercise, you talked about the run walk um, from a strength standpoint. What are you envisioning? Well, uh, we'll start with mobility, right? It, you cannot be functional unless you can move. Um, so we want to work on mobility, foam rolling, stretching, make that an active part. Uh, you really shouldn't run non-stop if you can't do drills pain-free. So we're going to introduce some drills as well um, just to kind of get things moving uh, in the right direction. Uh, I wouldn't mind hopping on a bike uh, and just riding casually, not even hard. Just, you know, the other day I went, went for a 30-minute bike ride with my friend um, just to get a little bit of extra movement. He's coming off of, off of a labrum surgery and um, it, it, it's his second. He was blessed <laughs> maybe unblessed is the is the, the better term with two structural impingements in his hips there was essentially nothing he could have done differently um so he's coming off of his second labrum surgery and he's just just riding the bike he's not even starting to run yet um he's just riding the bike casually for 30 minutes um and he's just starting to do that now so for you that that is going to be something that i would like to add in just a casual bike ride you know Go, going for walks, one of the things that, that Heather and I started to do together when she was coming back from, and she's still coming back from her surgery, is just go for walks together. Walking is wonderful. It gets you upright. It gets you moving. It gets you used to being on your feet, and that will help you be prepared for the next thing that we're going to focus on. I guess that's really the only thing. That's really the only thing I have been doing is that I have been walking, and this is not I'm not going to like brag that this is some sort of like athletic feat, <laughs> but I do like walk my dog for like 20, 25 minutes a night. I guess yeah. that, that, that's the one thing I've been doing for the last six weeks. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, it gets you out from sitting. You know, having a dog is wonderful when you actually walk them. You know, uh, my parents have, uh, have a very energetic dog, uh, but they don't walk them. <laughs> not really. Um, so it's like the dog's not helping you exercise at all. It's just running around the yard and you're watching them, you know, dogs are wonderful to help you exercise when you actually do it with them. Um, so I think it's great. So walking, if, if, and if we can extend that to 35 or 40 minutes, I know he's a puppy, so that's going to be a little different. Uh, and as he grows, you'll be able to walk him a little bit more. Um, but just little, keeping it as simplistic as possible. I, I, I spoke about this on Instagram story a few nights ago about why I love the Karate Kid. Now, you and I are very similar in age, so I know the Karate Kid has an impact on your on your youth, correct? Not as much as your youth, but yes, I'm, oh my I God. have definitely seen it. God, Karate Kid is amazing. The simplicity uh, is often the best way to go. You know, truly. Uh, we don't need the the sexiest workouts in the world. We don't need all the fancy gadgets. We don't even need a Garmin right now. We just need to move. So that's what we're going to start with. And that, and that movement is going to vary 
uh, day to day. How we're going to go about it is going to vary. The biggest, and the reason I say that, uh, like that is because what I believe is one of the most important aspects for you over these next three months isn't the exercise. It's the nutrition. You're not going to lose weight by just exercise alone. If you did, man, you, you have to exercise like a maniac to do that, right? You've got to focus on the nutrition. That's where the crux of the work is going to take place. That's where your work with, uh, with your nutritionist is going to matter. These next three months, how you attack your nutrition directly correlates to the success you're going to find six months from now, nine months from now, a year from now. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, there's no, just no, there's just no doubt about it. I think there's this, there's this funny phrase. Uh, this is uh, not that I'm expecting to get one of these, but that six packs aren't made in the gym; they're made in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's. I know it, exactly. It's not that you need a six pack, right? Well, you can be fit and healthy without one. Uh, far more. I mean, it, it was kind of fun to see how many how many athletes at the Olympic trials didn't have a six pack. <laughs> you know, these are these are the best marathoners in the country. Um, so, but but it's the idea that it's not the exercise. It's not. I shouldn't say it's not. It's very very much the exercise when it comes to performance. But it, it's everything else outside of it, and that's where that that video with Leslie Odom Jr. the the try comment comes in. If you're not trying outside of the exercise, it doesn't matter what the exercise looks like. You have to be trying in all aspects of your life. You've got to be trying in your food. You've got to be trying in your sleep. You've got to be trying in your hydration. You've got to be trying in your workouts when appropriate, right? You've got to put the effort in in all areas, not just one. All right. So first of all, you have to send me that video and I'll post it in the show notes because oh. you've been mentioning it a couple of times. I definitely got to watch it. And I'm sure the other people who are listening to this will want to watch it as well. Lastly, um, are you going to be loading into my schedule on VDOT, which is the scheduling app that we use between you and me, but also just within McCurdy Trained? Are you going to be loading what you want me to do within VDOT? Or because it sounds, yes. sounds like this is kind of like, you know, almost like a laissez-faire approach to the next couple of weeks. Yes and no, right? I'm going to be putting limits in there, right? Um, guidance. It's not going to be the traditional, here's a quality session. Here's an easy run. It's going to be guidance via coach notes. Um, oddly enough, even though I'm, I'm considering myself personally training right now, uh, oddly enough, my coach, Tim, um, is taking a very similar approach with me. He lets me know what workouts he wants me to do. He lets me know what, you know, time frame for a longer run he wants me to do. But all the other runs is like, just get to this amount of volume. You know, I, I'm going to trust you not to do it all in one day. <laughs> It'll work out as long as you get to this amount of volume. For you, it's going to be this, uh, a similar approach, uh, just a little bit more simplistic. I don't care what days they are, but this is what I want to see this week. I think that is the best thing for an athlete in your position. All right. Sounds good. All right. So we'll record another one of these in a few weeks. I'm yeah. excited to do it. James, thanks for being a part of this and, and helping me get to where I really want to get to. Yeah, man, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, I, I think it's important to recognize too that there's so many people that are just like you, just like me, that I, where I was four and a half months ago and, and many times in my athletic career have been in this position. Uh, now, there was, a, there was a moment in my life where I was around 210, 215. Uh, and I had, I don't know, I think it was a size 38 or 40 pants. 
Um, and I couldn't run a quarter mile. Uh, I was out of shape. I was, I was very unhealthy and I didn't, didn't exactly like what I was, what I was feeling physically or emotionally. Um, we're, we're, it's okay to go through moments of this. Uh, but when you have a goal, I have a vision of where you want to be, the action on a daily basis is really important to take to get there. All right. I'm excited to do it. James, thanks for hopping on and I'll talk to you again in a couple weeks. All right, man. We'll talk soon. Today's show is brought to you by Prevenex, my favorite supplement brand. I use so many, so much of their stuff. I say so many of their supplements, but I use more than that because I love their protein powder, their Neurofi Plus. Um, I use it every single day. It literally, it's my afternoon, my mid, not my afternoon, my kind of like mid-morning snack after my run. I'm not talking about that today, though. I'm talking about Joint Health Plus. I love this supplement. And I just got some test results back on my knee which was some very, very good stuff. All right, so I have bursitis in my left knee. I got an MRI. They took a look at uh, just the structure of my knee, how everything was looking in there. And to my utter delight, they said that everything looks great in that knee. Now, that is excellent news. I'm 40 years old. I've been running since I was 10, okay? In addition to that, I have a lifetime of basketball as well. I just, you know, I played in middle school, in high school, in college, a ton outside on the pavement, and my knee structurally looks really, really good. Again, there's probably a lot of factors for that, but one of those factors is Joint Health Plus. I've been using it every single day for a year, for a year, and I'm so glad that I have. So go check out Joint Health Plus today at Prevenex.com. That's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com and use code RUNNER15 for 15% on your first order of anything and all things that they sell. Hey, everybody. I want to talk to you about Generation You Can. I love this stuff. Pre-run, mid-run, post-run. It's the real deal. I've been using it for years, and I'm so excited for them to be on the show. The biggest key, or one of the biggest keys to their their company and their products is Superstarch. It's the underlying carbohydrate in UCAN. It provides a long-lasting energy without the spike and crash of sugar and helps you keep your blood sugar stable relative to malodextrin and simple sugar-based products and nutrition, which can be such a big deal for so many of us. You just don't want those sugar spikes. You know, typical sugary sports nutrition just it's not something that you consume throughout your day. But you can do that with Generation You Can as well, which is another big deal. And for me, You Can Hydrate is something that I particularly love, especially for my morning runs. It's an electrolyte uh, replenishment drink with no sugar and no calories, just electrolytes. It's an awesome with so many good flavors. I just add it to water, get up and go. I love this stuff, and you can love it as well. I'm sure you will. Go to youcan.co, that's U-C-A-N.co, and use code R-R-U-C-A-N for 15% off at any time. That's R-R-U-C-A-N, R-R-U-C-A-N today. Good morning, Matt. How are you doing? Hey, Adrian. I'm doing well. Good to hear it. Good to hear it. How's your morning going? <laughs> it's going all right. We got a puppy um, a few weeks ago, and no really changed. It's really changed the mornings. Oh yeah, I'm on a wait list to get a golden retriever, and I didn't totally think it through. Like, oh, I'm going to need to wake up really early, or it's going to wake me up in the middle of the night. Yeah, exactly. You spend a, you spend a lot of time of your day just looking at the dog. 
to make sure it's not eating things or peeing on things and, and with our kids that they're that they're addressing the dog in the right way. So it has been um it's been a huge time commitment. Um besides just the normal summer months. So that's that's kind of what the, the mornings are for me now. It's basically like it's it's kind of like three hours of, of watching the dog. Um in nice. trying to get some 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 other things done before my official workday begins. All right, all right. So well, sounds like you have a, a pretty full and lively household going on, right? <laughs> that's that's a great way of putting it. <laughs> well, that's the the whole two minutes we've been on the call. That's been the impression I've gotten. So, all right. So, what I would like to accomplish today is I want to hear your story, uh, kind of how you became an athlete, your path what you're currently struggling with, where you want to go when you're on the other side of the struggle. And, you know, we'll probably hit a tangent or two and we're just going to kind of let today take on a life of itself. What do you think? All right, let's do it. Okay. So first of all, I mean, most broad, let's go broad and we'll funnel down. Who is Matt? Um, Matt is a, uh, I don't know. So talk about broad. Um, you know, uh, a father, a husband, and someone who's trying to, you know, get exciting work done that he's passionate about. Oh, I like that. And I guess you run a little too. Yeah, I guess that now that that's part of it, you know, now that <laughs> I'm officially in the running space as a full-time job, you know, kind of my, my two jobs morphing into one full-time job between the coaching and the podcasting, um, running is kind of a part of that. Uh, in a sense, now is even before this Mastering 40 project, but certainly even more so now. Oh, that's great. So when did you start running? And, you know, kind of tell me about, I guess, your your relationship with it, so to speak. Yeah, I started running uh, when my dad started running. So I, it was around sixth grade. He quit okay. smoking cigarettes. So he was a two-pack-a-day smoker. Um, so this was mid uh, early 90s, I guess. I was born in 1981. So mm-hmm. early to mid nineties, he gave up smoking and then started basically traded one, one addiction for another. Okay. And, um, Fair. so yeah, so he gives up cigarettes, trades one addiction for another, really starts running. And I basically joined him at some local five Ks. Uh, with mm-hmm. that said, uh, I was always pretty fast you know, I was mm-hmm. an athlete you know, for, for my whole life for the most part. Um, so, you know, whether it was soccer or whatever, or tennis and basketball and baseball and all of that, you know, kind of running fast was always what I did pretty well mm-hmm. within those sports. Uh, basketball ended up becoming my main focus in high school, even though I did run track, um, you know, basically like ki- kind of ran track. I basically just showed up to the meets for all intents and purposes. Uh, played played basketball in high school then played college basketball and then coached college basketball for seven years. Um, and after college or even during college, I would run for sure because it was kind of part of our physical testing was running, you know, you know, different, different, uh, distances every year, preparing for that. And then after college, basically running became the sport that I got involved in. It wasn't like, you know, so now I'm turning 40 this year. It wasn't like I've done 18 years straight of running. I kind of go through fits and starts with it. Um, but for the most part, I've been involved in running my whole life you know, basically age 10 and on, but it hasn't been like this consistent thing. Uh, but something that as time has gone by, it's kind of been the sport that I've been gravitated toward that gravitated towards post-college. Gotcha. Gotcha. So when did you make the commitment to dive in? I guess I would never, I never said that I made a full commitment. 
it was just kind of something that was in my life and that I would do. And then, you know, if, you know, there was a time where I was part of a running group here in Rhode Island for a couple of years that I was, I was definitely, you know, really into it and consistent with it. But then after a bad marathon experience, I just was like, all right, I just kind of gave it up. I, I shouldn't say gave it up. I just kind of never really dove full force back into it. And then you know, we had our firstborn child after that. And then uh, it just kind of, it lingered. So I would do it for sure. But I wouldn't say that it was, um, I would say just, I was just an amateur runner. I wasn't a dedicated amateur runner for, for, for different periods of time. So I kind of go, I'd vacillate back and forth. Gotcha. Okay. Sidebar. Tell me about this bad marathon experience. So I've had two marathons. They both weren't great. Um, okay. The first one, I just didn't, I just didn't prepare enough for. Gotcha. So it wasn't, you know, whatever. Yeah. I got what I deserved basically. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it didn't make you feel any better uh, during the, during the, during the run. Uh, but after the fact, I'd be like, well, what did you expect? You know what I mean? Like you didn't, you didn't do exactly what you need to do. Uh, the second time I ran the Cape Cod marathon, I trained really, really well for it. My coach at the time, who was the former uh, running coach at Brown for several decades said I was the most consistent person in his training group of like 200 people that year in terms of preparing for the marathon. I mean, I didn't run the most miles, but like I was one who hit the plan better than anybody that year. Right. Um, so he kind of told he told me that and he's not someone to mince words. So like, I definitely believed him. He's very straightforward and blunt about that sort of thing. And I was really excited when the marathon, uh, hoping to get to three thirty. um, you know, I was definitely on pace for that. There's a chance of getting, you know, 325. The Cape Cod Marathon is very simple. It's basically running counterclockwise around the town of Falmouth. So if someone's done the Falmouth Road Race before, that's basically the last six miles of the race of the marathon. So the first half is flat. The second half is basically it's like a pink. It's a, like a bacon strip. So it's just up and down, up and down, up and down. Not huge hills, but just constant. Gotcha. And then... When I was fatigued around mile 20, I lost my form. I learned this after the fact. But around mile 20, I lost my form on some of the downhills and created this knee pain, which I never experienced knee pain ever in any endeavor. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where I couldn't even run through it. I had to walk. So I walked the last three miles because of this like phantom knee pain. I realized it after the fact. I was doing hill repeats like six months later. And I, it was at like 430 in the morning. So I saw my shadow in the uh on the street from the street lights as i was going down one of the hills just jogging down it i was like why am i leaning back like that and my knee was bothering me at the time it was still lingering as soon as i leaned forward it just disappeared and i was like oh my god it was that simple and that's what ruined my marathon so wow. um yeah that was that was that's was, that's what it was so again it wasn't like this experience that has scarred me ever since but it really it did definitely stink in the moment of like oh wow like you did all this work and then like this fluky thing end up happening and it you know I went from running the marathon 330 to running it in like 347 because they basically again walked like three miles mm -hmm. to the end mm -hmm. all in all I mean it sounds like that could have been a bigger disaster than it actually was because that's pretty impressive you still squeaked in well under four with that happening to you to a point I mean um I was really really fit you know, I mean, the, my first my first marathon, which I did not prepare well for at all, I ran in four. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's why I was like, "Oh man, like you can't even compare these two fitness levels." For sure. So yeah, what was what stuck out to me is you lean forward and and you were able to kind of solve the mystery of that marathon, which I'm 
writing an asterisk next to that is because that's going to be a mental tool that I'm going to have you stuff in your back pocket is anything starts getting weird, make an adjustment. And, you know, we kind of have to think, okay, you know, do I need to lean forward? Do I need to lean back? Is what I'm feeling normal? So on and so forth. But marathons, especially, I mean, any race is kind of like a science project where we have a hypothesis. The hypothesis is the goal time. You know, we go out and we test that hypothesis with the strategy, training, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, science is uh, not perfect. Neither is running. But when we finish, we can go back and think, okay, there was a variable there that I can switch out. So I'm real big on, especially the running side of things, is teaching people how to use pretty much any experience as uh, a teaching tool and not anything to, you know, yeah, yeah, we're always going to be disappointed because we care about what we do, but we want to be able to look at it as objective as possible because that's how we, you know, interchange parts and stuff like that, look, really learn ourselves. And that's just how we're going to get better and better kind of throughout this journey. So Anyway, uh, also have to ask, uh, the knee injury in Cape Cod, is that related to the knee injury now at all? <laughs> no, not at okay. all. The knee injury now is like embarrassingly fluky. I had this ankle injury that I experienced in September of last year uh, playing um, playing in the backyard with my son. I have, a, I have a history of ankle injuries. I've had ankle reconstructive surgery on one ankle, and I needed it on both, actually, when I got diagnosed. Um, so I, I severely sprained my ankle in September. And then I just got in the habit of like cracking it just because it kind of helped with like movement. Yeah. Um, I just, I would just keep doing that. I just, then it got to the point where I was just doing it out of habit, like not even noticing that I was doing it. And then in March, like I, I did it like with my foot in the ground, I kind of twisted and cracked my ankle and turned. And I guess I did it a little too aggressively. And I like turned my knee and like, oh, you know, my hurt my knee of all things. Right. I literally wasn't even, I was just standing in my kitchen. Um, so there's no like cool story with hurting my knee. <laughs> it's just like, it's more just like an embarrassing story, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I've had random injuries like that too, where there should be a cool story, but there, it, the story is anything but so, oh man, sorry that happened. But, uh, anyway, so does weird stuff happen to you a lot? No, I mean, okay. before this year. <laughs> Um, no, it really didn't. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm usually pretty healthy and, and all that. I mean, I've definitely had like my share of injuries, but like, you know, my injuries have usually been very like cause and effect, like right. the marathon, like the injury, like, all right, like I just, whatever. Like, I didn't know that that would happen, but then I figured it out, like, you know, I sprained my ankles playing basketball, but like, so does everybody else. Um, you know, then the other injury that I had this winter, <laughs> this spring was <laughs> like I leaned over a bookcase in my daughter's room to open up the window and like herniated disc in my back. And I was like, oh, my God, oh. like, when is this going to end? Yeah. Um, so, again, that injury has now healed. But yeah. it was like it was like boom, 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 like one after another. The, the ankle injury I had in September, like in of itself, was pretty common. I, I rolled my ankle over, you know, and like it stunk, but it wasn't novel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What was weird about it was that it was a bone bruise. So it went instead. Of, so while I sprained the ligaments, the bone bruise is what, is what kept me off of my foot because, right? 
we didn't really like even my PT who's really, really good. Like we just never diagnosed it as a bone bruise. So I was doing all these exercises, which in retrospect was just kind of picking the scab of the bone bruise. And it kept like a four to six week or you know, maybe maybe more than that. Maybe it was like, you know, an, an eight to 12 week injury at most turned into like a five month injury because I just never let it heal the right way because we just kept thinking of it as a sprained ankle. Right. So I just kind of kept lingering and lingering and lingering, uh, which got to the point where, you know, over the last basically almost a year, this has been the most inactive I've ever been in my life. Oh, wow. How's that been for you? Well, um, it's great if you're into buying new clothes because none of my clothes fit. Um, I've gained a considerable amount of weight, about 25 pounds. Um, uh-huh. You know, it's like it's I'm in the awkward position of like having a running podcast and being a running coach and really not being able to run. And that's not a great situation. Uh, it definitely like perks up like the imposter syndrome aspect of it. Um, yeah. And just like this, just like the you're always aware of it. You know, and you're aware, like, hey, you're not running or you're not fit or like, all right, like, what is, again, this is all just in my head Mm -hmm. as opposed to anyone saying something to me that's causing me to think this, but Mm -hmm. constantly thinking about like, all right, like, you're not fit. You're telling all these people like how to run. You're talking to all these amazing athletes who are doing cool, inspiring things. And like, you're not doing any of that, man. You're just sitting on the couch and like, yeah, you're injured, but like, you know, kind of like, who are you kind of feel to it? Yeah. So how pervasive is that? In terms of like other areas of my life? Uh, yeah, I guess we can kind of start there. And like, I, is there anything you found that kind of quiets that voice? Um, I mean, I have, if I brought it up to somebody, they would, you know, if I'm talking to a confidant, Mm-hmm. You know, that they might be able to, to put it in, in the proper perspective. But, you know, they're also not the one I'm worried about. Right. So, right. you know what I mean? Like someone who's in that position, like probably wouldn't be thinking that stuff anyway. So like having their words, you know, their supportive words, like it's great. Yeah. But it's like, all right, I also wasn't worried about you. So <laughs> it wasn't, that wasn't really the issue. Um, I guess part of it is just saying, all right, like, our, you know, just kind of come to the acceptance of it. Of like, all right, just say just say worst case scenario. Say that is the feeling out there. Is that going to really change anything? Well, not really. Like right. you just still want to do these things. So, you know, how does that really change? You still want to run. You still want to coach and you still want to do running podcasts. So even if some people do feel that way, does it, should it really change your behavior? I mean, not really. No, you're, and you're absolutely right. So, yeah. So it sounds like, I mean, it's, it's been difficult. Um, you know, when it comes to kind of support system, uh, who you got in your corner? Obviously, you got your PT. I think you're working with Starla Garcia. Who else do you have? So my coach is James McCurdy, uh, who is extremely supportive. I also coach within McCurdy Trained. Okay. So he's so we talk on a couple of different levels as well. Um, you know, from a running perspective and just like work perspective, I lean on a lot of people. Not lean. Lean's too strong for it. I consult with a bunch of people. So I'm always talking to other podcast, other running podcasters. You know, we're, we're com- constantly texting, you know, those people, whether it's Mario Fraioli or Jason Fitzgerald, Lindsay Hine, Carrie Tollison, Allie Feller, mm-hmm. you know, Tina Muir. I mean, she just gave birth, so I'm trying not to bother her yeah. <laughs> right now. Um, it really so, is yeah. a cool community, isn't it? 
It is. It is. And so I'm, I'm talking to those folks all the time, as well as some other people like, you know, whether it's Jonathan Levitt, who's also a podcaster, who works at Inside Tracker, or Terry Hutchin, who, you know, is, is someone who have, who have come, you know, who's kind of in the blogging space and social media marketing space. And, you know, these are all great people. And, you know, while we kind of exchange or, you know, kind of exchange ideas and things like that, you know, there also is just kind of that that personal connection as well. So I kind of yeah, you know, I don't lean on these people, and they probably don't even view they probably don't even view our conversations as little more than just talking shop. But in the aggregate, it definitely is kind of a support structure because you know these little mini conversations kind of coalesce into like this broader connection that 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 I feel. Yeah. And, you know, it fe- it probably feels like you're the only one right now, but I think if we're in the sport long enough, we're going to get injured. We're going to have to buy new clothes. Um, and it's just kind of learning how to kind of roll with that. And because like right here, right now, and we're talking, you're in a certain space and you're working on moving through that space. Our starting point literally is today. So, um, you know, I always reference, okay, from the time that you started rehabbing, started kind of reconstructing, that is our new benchmark for progress. And we want to go back and we want to look from that. We want to look from that spot and revisit it at regular intervals because it's always, I, I think it's a mistake. And this is something that me personally I've gotten burned several times. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm, you know, I've been practicing for 11 years, but, you know, figuring myself out, you know, personally was just as hard, you know, if not harder than working with another athlete. But I always wanted to like kind of wind the clock back and go back to before I got hurt, which was a terrible mistake. And, you know, that's how I've, I've worked ever since I've gone through this experience with every injured athlete is okay, we are moving forward, not backward, because forward, we may end up going further than we actually thought we were in the first place. So so kind of on that, um, so what are some of, some of these, some of your goals? Like what, uh, it sounds like you are wanting to do a sub 40 10K, correct? And you're 40. That's but right. What, yeah, what are you wanting to do? And what areas psychologically do you think you need the most assistance with? Um, all right. Well, first of all, yeah. So definitely want to run a, a 10K in under 40. So that's a, that's kind of like the bigger 30,000 foot zoomed out version of right. the goal. Um, and now, again, there's a lot of like little mini goals or, you know, benchmarks and things along those oh, lines that, that lead into that. But that's the that's that's the overarching goal um, for me. I think some of the things that need to be addressed and, you know, you're the expert, so you can probably, <laughs> after a couple of these conversations, you could probably add to this list, you know, with plenty of other things. Um, you know, self-defeating behaviors uh, is something that, um, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at. Um, I have a, I have a, a tendency of kind of taking a one step forward, one step back with like so many endeavors in my life. Uh and you know that that is something making um you know emotional decisions instead you know in, in terms of or just not emotional decisions but um so, so sometimes being hijacked by my emotions um in a way that can lead to just you know situations that I'd prefer not to be in um whether that 
as an athlete, not necessarily with the the podcast and the business, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, as a parent and things along those lines. Yeah. I think other things that are important is becoming more comfortable with being uncomfortable, uh, pushing myself to the limit, understanding what that is. Okay. Um, you know, figuring out, you know, you know, basically the mental hurdles of, of really kind of performing at a high level. Cause I really oh, haven't done it from an athletic perspective. Like I have, again, I played college basketball and like I was fairly good as a high school athlete, but I'm not going to lie to you. Like a lot of that just came from genetics. I mean, I worked hard from a skill perspective in a variety of ways in basketball, but like even yeah. when I was playing basketball, like I was a mental mess. I was a mess. <laughs> like okay. I was getting technicals all the time. Like I was completely hijacked by emotions, but ultimately my athletic career is it it's basically a textbook example of you know of someone's talent taking them to a certain level and mm-hmm. then and then it being capped by that because I just haven't been able to build consistently on um you know in I'm able to build in a consistent way to maximize uh what's potentially there instead of just gotcha. It's just, you know, you know, it's just, it's just been a, it's been a mess and it's, it's the kind of thing that haunts me. Like I keep thinking about like, what could have I been as an athlete if I had put in the dedicated, consistent work and approached it with the right mindset um, that I should have done all along. And Lord knows, I feel like I wasted so, so much time um, and so much physical, not, not so much physical ability, but wasted whatever ability was there Mm -hmm. in a way that like, you know, if you look back at it now, like the three thirty marathon, like there's nothing wrong with that. But like, mm-hmm. I know, like there's so much more in me than that, and it's so funny that like I couldn't even get there. And it, like, again, it, it, this is going to sound dramatic, but it haunts me. Like I think about it all the time. Yeah. Well, has anybody ever told you, you know, because I think you're looking at what you could be. Um, I'm going to be operating on the perspective of what you can be and what you're capable of. Okay. What do you think about that? I mean, it sounds like it's like just a different side of the same coin. Which it is. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's, but what I'm, I'm driving at is, okay, we want to work in the present mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe a step forward from that, but not necessarily much further is because the self-defeating behaviors a lot of times occur is if we're too focused on the result or the outcome of something and be, and we're just kind of lost with what to do kind of in the present. Make sense? Yeah, I, it makes sense. I think I'll definitely need, I definitely need to figure out ways to like not let those limiting beliefs, not limiting beliefs, that's, that's definitely is not the right thing to say, like not, not um hmm not constantly thinking about the past yeah or or even thinking about potential i think that's the other piece that like i'm definitely of the growth mindset um right, 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 right but it's also understandable like i think we also are born with like certain genetic abilities mm-hmm. you know what i mean um mm-hmm. so like looking at it like gosh darn man like i'm like i was at this certain level with so many of my peers you know back in like middle school and high school and college and like seeing what they've been able to do from an athletic perspective, like it dwarfs what I was able to do. And I know from a talent perspective, we were at the same level and it's right. just like, all right, like they put in the time and work physically, mentally to get to these completely different levels than I got to. 
And yeah. it wasn't, a, it had nothing to do with talent, zero. Mm -hmm. And that's what dogs me. It's like, you messed it up. Like you had it. It was right there in front of you. You had all the advantages in the world and you didn't take advantage of them in, in almost any way. And now here you are, right? And like, right. again, I'm, again, this isn't like, I'm not on a path of revenge here. I'm like, I am trying to look forward. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like, you know, you said like, let's talk about like who you are and where you came from. Like that's, th yeah. those are both, the, that is who I am and where I came from, from an athletic perspective. Gotcha. So I think it's just kind of sounds like we, you know, it's the tools are there. It's connecting the wires, which is the challenge I've been given with. And as we've been talking, I've been thinking of various ideas as to how we're going to kind of go about chipping away at these core beliefs that you have. So on that, um, you know, your core beliefs, if, uh, uh, if you can articulate that, what are some of your core beliefs of you as an athlete? Um, I guess my core beliefs are that that's a good question. I never, I can't say I've ever thought about that. Like what, what would be an example of like what you mean? Okay. Uh, you know, that can either sound like, uh, what you've been describing is I'm very talented, but I, I sabotage myself okay. or, you know, a belief is something I've adopted over the years is I'm willing to do things other women aren't. Okay. All right. So like, yeah, so I would never say that I'm very talented. First of all, um, I would say that like I had decent, decent athletic talent. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would say that. Right, so I, I had decent okay. athletic talent, nothing overwhelming uh, or anything like that, but decent. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's where I came from. I felt like I'm somebody who, in certain uh, certain ways, can be very hardworking, but has a hard time doing it, or not hard time, but like has shown an inability to do that for a long period of time consistently. Okay. So. That that has been something that I um I haven't been able to to grasp or do, which is you know which isn't necessarily a product of like me personally because like I feel like with like you know certain professional endeavor especially with the podcast like I put in a ton of time and effort right um so there are there are certain things I've been able to do that have have worked really well in that regard but athletically just consistent work hasn't been there um I feel like I'm someone who's who, who's probably more anaerobically talented mm -hmm. than aerobically talented mm -hmm. you know like i'm like so, like to put that in perspective um you know we talked like all right like that marathon i trained for was like i was gonna run like a 330 which is good but it's not gonna like set the world afire mm -hmm. but like when i was in high school like i set like the 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 i set the school record like in the shuttle run yeah type feel so that's, that's just an example of like all right from like a from a um you know a speed perspective versus more like the aerobically inclined stuff Oh man, you mentioned the shuttle run and that's giving me some PTSD from elementary school. <laughs> I, I, I would have taken, I'm the exact opposite. I would have taken the mile any day over the shuttle run. <laughs> I mean, it, it, gave, it, I, it seriously gave me some wicked anxiety and I'm looking, I'm looking back at that and I'm just kind of laughing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The things that, you know, our experiences of our youth that shape us, whether we want them to or not. So I actually, you know, I was kind of looking at this and I was separating, you know, some of these core beliefs is 
that you are hardworking. And I know you said I'm hardworking, but mm-hmm. I think it would be a great idea to work on separating that out a little bit because the, just the word but or however or something like that, sometimes that tends to, uh, you know, it, it's instead of just saying, okay, I'm hardworking, it's I'm hardworking, but, you know, I tend to fail in this, this, and this. Which one is it? I like to separate those out because we want to operate with them as individual entities. So in struggling with consistent work, um, what's the difference between uh, the professional realm and the athletic realm, if you can articulate that? I think one of the biggest differences is expectations. Okay. Expand Um, on that, please. Is that with the podcast, which has been my best example of working hard for a consistent and long period of time, um, I came into this with no expectations. Okay. You know, I didn't even expect anyone to listen to the show to begin with. Okay. And I just did it because I would have a chance to talk with inter- interesting people. And I was like, hey, I'll record it. And then maybe someone would want to listen to it. Like I didn't. That was the extent of my expectations. And I just kept doing it because I really loved it. And I really love sports and I really love running too, but it's been hard to uh, decouple the act of training and running from the expectations of what I might be able to do if I continue to work hard or what am I capable of doing now? What am I capable of doing a month from now or two weeks from now or a year from now? And then again, that's whole the entire genesis of this project, but figuring, and I don't think that's inherently a negative thing, but I think that, I think that I, I, I hold, I'm basically, I'm, I'm, I'm holding it too hard in that regard. Like I'm connecting too much of the in the moment activity to what could I do type feelings. Um, Whereas with the podcast, it really hasn't been like that. It's been much more like, I like doing this. I'm going to put out something. Will people like it? I hope so. If they don't, that's fine. Um, And then that's that. And not having any judgment necessarily on it in part because it's been, um, it just, it just started at a very different spot. Mm-hmm. Well, and it sounds like you don't take your podcast personal. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I, I'm not exactly sure. I would I'm willing to say that 100 okay. percent because it is something that I'm fully invested in. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess I'm not. I guess I do take. I, I view it. It is personal to me. Mm-hmm. But I can approach it without judgment. Right. 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 So right. like, oh, this didn't work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well then. Either maybe try it again and maybe it's just a small sample size or let's just pivot and try something else and go from there. Okay. Um, so it's, to say it's not personal, I don't think is necessarily 100 percent correct. But I, but I think it's more of just the, the lack of judgment on myself gotcha. Gotcha. In, in, in many respects. Gotcha. The show. So what you just said uh, right then and there, do you remember what it was? Can you repeat it? You mean the lack of judgment piece? Yes. Yeah, I'm just I'm just not I don't. The success, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not judging myself by the success of this show. If something happens not to go right, I just approach it as something that can either be corrected or that maybe just needs to, you know, be tried again in some way. Right. And contrast that with running. Right. Like if things don't go well, it's because I'm have some sort of like personal failing. Yeah. So there's a, there's a there's a difference, but the fact that you're you already have that mindset 
I mean, if you think you can do it, I think you can. And I'm, I am more than happy to teach you how to extend that to your running. Okay. Sound cool? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to, it's going to be tough. I basically had the same, what, what I just described about my running. You can basically extrapolate that to any kind of relationship I've ever had with athletics. Okay. So like when I, like when I told my wife I was going to be doing this project, she was like, her, her initial response was, oh no. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, fortunately is, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said I haven't worked with a ton of struggling racers, uh, running and, and swimming actually are my big two. The issues are very, very similar. And the good news is what you're struggling with is nothing out of the ordinary. And, you know, kind of my, my hypothesis on why we take sports so personal is, you know, just like a, a podcast, a business, anything like that. It's a thing. And, you know, usually there's other people involved. And when it comes down to sports, especially an individual sport, it is all on us. Like, I know they make some cool shoes and stuff like that nowadays, but we are the equipment. And, you know, a fa- uh, equipment failure is all on us. And at least that's the way I conceptualize it. I don't know how you see that. Well, that I, first of all, I completely agree with you, which is part of like the self-loathing cycle on my end okay of like of because i also believe that for me it in some sometimes it takes on a negative connotation right right, right. like you are all in control you are the equipment right which since you keep failing look who's the problem type thing yeah you know and then kind of like around and around we go yeah no, I think it's just your computer. So we're going to need to rewrite some software. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, with that, I still have so many things I, I want to ask you, but I want to make sure that I'm as coherent as possible over here. So self-loathing is kind of a strong term. I'm kind of getting hung up on that. Uh, kind of tell me what that sounds like. Um. Gosh darn it! <laughs> Shouldn't have let that one out in the first conversation. Um, so, um, you want me to back off? Totally. No, no, no. It's no. I mean, no. You shouldn't back off at all. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I'm not. I wasn't trying to be dramatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there, there are. I guess. Um, yeah, I guess that's how I. I guess in a lot of ways, in a lot of times, that's how I feel. Uh, I think there are so many ways in which I get just so, so like disappointed in myself mm-hmm. in so many areas of my life. And then the repetition amongst my, um, you know, failings or perceived failings. Um, it's a, uh, yeah, it's just kind of, it's just kind of been there for a long time. Um, okay. And it's uh it's something that's pretty pervasive in just about every area of my life, I would say. Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah, and I mean, and that's something that, you know, it it's gonna take quite a bit of work to kind of start reversing a little bit. But do you think you have it in you to be a little nicer to Matt along this journey? I'm sure I can. I'm not the only person that's ever dealt with this sort of thing. Um, Lord knows. Yeah. Uh, so, 
Yeah. I mean, again, just like how I talked about my relationship to athletics, sometimes like my overcompetitive side right. uh, leads to some, you know, some self-limiting behavior right. um, or, or thoughts. Again, this, this sort of feeling, it's, you know, it's not new, right. <laughs> let me put it that way. Yeah. I do like that you're, you know, that you described yourself as competitive because there's some good stuff in here. And I think over the next few sessions, I'm going to start helping you pull some of the weeds so you can actually see a clear path. So we're going to switch gears uh, to kind of put us on the home straight for this session. Is uh, So right here, right now, uh, what does training, running, rehab, all that kind of stuff look for you? Where are you at? All right. So I've been cleared to run. Uh, two weeks ago, right. uh, prior to that, um, in prior, basically my, my episode with, with James, my coach, mm-hmm. I think I quoted, I hadn't run in six weeks. I was actually looked back at my calendar. It was really eight weeks. I hadn't run. Um, so we started off doing run walks now. So I'm basically going for 35 minutes, four days a week this past week and looking at my calendar, same thing next week. Um, basically kind of amping up the walk run by that. I mean, the, the total time is the same, but more running, less walking over the course of that two weeks. And I think my first run, um, my first workout where it's run only is next Friday. So it's July 24th right now, Friday, July 24th. Okay. Um, my next, next Friday, I have a 25 minute run on the calendar. Uh, so that's where I am from a running perspective, from a PT perspective, uh, my knee feels fine. It feels completely fine. So, yeah, um, fantastic. so I'm not, I'm not worried about that. Uh, again, it doesn't mean I'm going to go all out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like something that's going to hold me back either. Right. Well, the most important brick in the foundation is that your knee feels good and we just start sliding bricks in from there. So how, you know, how, how much, have you seen any improvement and we want to kind of zoom out and look at this as objectively and non-judgmental as possible from your first run back to today, what have you seen? So the first run was a week ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A week ago. Um, yeah. I mean, it hasn't my, uh, you know, the, the, how I feel during my run really hasn't changed, Yeah, you know, cause I'm not at this point, it's really just a matter of like testing it out. Right, right, right. Um, you know, I'm not really doing anything significantly aerobically that's going to make a, a big change in one week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels good to run again, for sure. Um, it's, you know, the the mentally fitting the run into my, my new wild schedule here with like uh, with the puppy and everything and like in the kids and, 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 you know, and trying to work from home and, and all of that has been has been a challenge. So I'm, I'm basically been doing my runs at like 10 p.m. Because I would normally, I'm normally a morning runner. So right. running before my wife and my kids wake up. The right. problem with that is because of the puppy, like I'm up at mid, I'm up till midnight with the dog. Yeah. And hopefully that will change very, very soon. Yeah. So waking up at 4 a.m. like to run is not, I mean, that's not a good strategy. <laughs> so uh, I've been really running like pretty late at night, um, like kind of like right before my wife goes to bed um, to kind of fit it in gotcha. at this point. So, um, but overall, that's kind of that's where the that's where the calendar and training is right now. Gotcha. So, I mean, I can see some of that, you know, consistently shining through because I've seen in, you know, and I know some athletes where if it doesn't fall into their idea of when training should happen, they don't do it. So, 
you're ahead of you're you're ahead of the game with that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep really hammering the whole consistency factor is because I'm so big on playing to athlete strengths is, you know, if we sit here and we can go down the rabbit hole of all our weaknesses and all the things we've done wrong, or we can kind of leverage what we got. So, but, uh, okay, cool. Because I'm going to want to be checking in regularly. Uh, what I'm going to do after we finish the session is I'm going to give you a starter pack basically. So, in that starter pack will be uh, just a real simple mental skill inventory. I just want to know all natural right now, uh, what are some of the areas that are strengths? What areas do we need to start training first? Whether that's self-talk, imagery, goal setting, all that kind of stuff. And that just kind of gives me a little bit more of a feel for just kind of, again, the core athlete without me asking you a million annoying questions. But uh, I'm going to send that. And I'm also going to send, uh, I do like my athletes to do a training journal. Are you cool with that? Yeah, sure. What would that entail? That entails literally about five to 10 minutes of your time. Uh, You can spend more if you want. But I think after, if you're only running a few days a week, is you go in and it's going to ask you some questions like, okay, what was your, what's the purpose of this run today? And right now it just sounds like my purpose is to hang out with running again. My purpose is to rebuild my relationship with running or, you know, however you want to frame that. And then we always have to unpack some positives. uh, And then we want to look at thought process you know, positive experiences and, you know, and or thoughts that just kind of just hung out in your brain. Like for instance, uh, before I got on with you, I went and I might've snuck on the cross country course for the local college and run didn't start out all that great, to be honest. Like I, you know, was still tired, uh, you know, did a bunch of miles yesterday but that was kind of the negative thought was just like, oh man, this feels like crap. This run's not going to go great. And, you know, positive thoughts was, you know what? I actually really enjoy running on grass. I'm in a good rhythm, you know, don't judge a run, you know, that like they, that cliche goes by the first mile. Like if there's anything that just kind of, that kind of made the run psychologically, if that makes sense. So it's just learning to think about what you're thinking about essentially. And I, I just kind of guide you through it. And then is there anything you do differently or adjust? And based on that, uh, and this is all going to be typed up, you can adapt it if you want to, because this needs to, you know, everyone's different. And then there's going to be kind of a just very short-term process focused. What's your goal for next time you lace up? Yeah, I think uh, it definitely would be very different than how I've approached cataloging my runs in the past, mm-hmm. but it's definitely something that aligns with this whole process that I'm trying to do, I'm trying mm-hmm. to share everything in a raw and um, unadulterated format. Mm-hmm. So I think that definitely works well with what I'm trying to do anyway. Perfect. And, you know, I this is, it's, you know, it's still a unexact science, but I mean, this has been kind of with my greatest hits with clients. And I mean, I do that. I do this exercise myself. So normally I'm not going to have somebody do something that I haven't done. Um, you know, I may or may not give you my visualization story as we, as we move along. But, uh, you know, I think it's, if 
I see value in it. So if you if there's anything that I give you that you hate, uh, you could bash me on this podcast. Uh, it's totally fine. Uh, <laughs> if, there's some, if, if something works or you like it, you know, just kind of let me know if you want to tweak something. I mean, because it's, you know, I'm literally, this is just like you're sitting here in my office in Texas right now. Be glad you're not in Texas because I think it's already 90 degrees, but uh, is you're getting the, you're, you're getting the same experience in the same system. So. Got it. Yeah, no, I, that's totally fine. So basically it would be a, a kind of a typed up a Google doc, so to speak, so that we both have access to it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if, if you're if, if you're cool with that and you do whatever you want with it, but yeah, that's kind of the starter kit, and I'll look it over, and our discussions are going to ta- start taking on a life of its own. So I'll uh, get your whenever you finish your inventory. It's thirty thirty questions, nothing big. All I ask is that you're as honest as possible on it. It's the first thing that pops into your head is I'll ha- I'll give you an output. So that might be kind of fun for your project too. Okay. Because we'll probably want to retest you, you know, towards the end of things. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, Matt, this is, I mean, yeah, you, you got a, you got a lot of stuff to work with and that's good. So I'm going to kind of take the little things I jotted down and next step is we'll, we'll figure out another time to talk. I'll send you your stuff. And then we're going to dig a little deeper. How's that sound? I'm excited. Let's do it. Beautiful. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. I hope you liked this first episode of Mastering 40. Go check out the blog post, mastering40.com. That's mastering40.com. You'll hear all about the journey once every three weeks. You're going to hear more on this podcast feed. And you can also go to my Instagram and learn plenty more of the on there as well. So also that shout outs to our corporate sponsors and that I'm just so happy and proud they're gonna be on this journey with me. Generation You Can and Prevenex. Go check them out today. Thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of stall brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.